Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. 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 This episode is brought to you by Hostly, a company that helps you make beautiful guidebooks for your listing, especially for Get Paid for Your Pad listeners. Get two free months of their premium version. For more details, visit hostfully.com slash pad. Welcome, everybody. Episode number 187. I'm in my hometown of Amsterdam, and today I have a very special guest. Well, I always say that the guests are special, but this time it's a really special guest because he is someone who's been actually writing about Airbnb for a while in a magazine called Quote, which is a magazine that talks about rich people. They publish a list of the 500 most richest people in Holland every year. And he's been uh, a critical voice when it comes to Airbnb. And of course, we haven't had very many critical voices on the podcast. So I'm really excited to welcome Sander Schimmelpenning on the podcast. Sander, welcome to the show. Yeah, nice to be here. Nice to get this invitation as uh, somebody from the enemy side, I would say. Yeah, they always say, keep your friends close, but keep your enemies closer. I'm not a full enemy of Airbnb. I, I think Airbnb is a great invention. I think it works perfectly. Uh, I use it a lot myself, mostly as somebody who rents somebody else's apartment. But I do feel that Airbnb can have a really big impact on cities and that you have to be very careful with that and have to make a good assessment of every city, whether Airbnb is a good idea or not. Right. You published an article in, I think it was 2014. It was a pretty good article, actually. I read it today again. I read it in 2014 as well, in which you really analyze the Airbnb market in Amsterdam. You look at the people who are involved, the upsides, the downsides, and really what the real picture is like. When did you first hear about Airbnb? I first heard about Airbnb, I think, when I was traveling the west coast of the United States, where I have a couple of hippie family members who went there in the 70s, and they were talking about this new initiative which enables you to to stay at other people's homes for a price most of the times lower than regular hotels. And they were really enthusiastic about it. And after that, I had some friends and my ex-girlfriend who started doing it. And they were, yeah, they were extremely yeah, happy with it because it made them a lot of money. And some of them actually, like you, made more or less a lifestyle out of it. That was interesting to see. Uh, of course, I, you know, everybody can make money. I, I have no problem with that. But the thing that started to annoy me at first, later, of course, it was more about the tourists taking over the city. But in the early days, the first thing that started to annoy me was the fact that these people were not paying taxes. If you were a banker yourself, if you're working really hard for your money, pay income tax, then it feels uh, very unfair if people are getting money, which you can qualify more or less as free money and not paying any taxes over it. That was my annoyment at the time. And that was when I started uh, reading more about it and talking to people and getting a better image of what it is and, and what the actual downsides of it were and still are. 
Right. So you felt that it wasn't fair that people were paying no taxes, which I think is true, especially in the beginning. Because I remember there was also a little bit of unclarity about how you were supposed to pay taxes. I remember when I first started Airbnb, I wasn't sure, for example, if I were to pay, you know, in Holland, we have a tax system where we have different boxes. I wasn't sure if I was supposed to box three or, or box two, which is income tax versus wealth tax. And I actually remember asking a lawyer and he couldn't even give me an answer. But in any case, I think it, now it's pretty clear, right? You're supposed to pay income tax over like 70% of the income. But uh, let's go back to 2014. So you heard about people making a lot of money on, uh, on Airbnb. You, you were thinking that people should be paying tax. And was that the reason you wrote the article? No, that was not the. That was more a personal thing. No, the reason I I wrote the article because I saw that it could be something big. Back then, in 2013, when I wrote the article, it was published 2014. One year later, it was still relatively small. It was just the early adapters, you know, the the millennials like us who were quitting their jobs and finding another way of paying their bills. But I saw what it could do because we write about wealthy people, as you uh, said in your introduction. So I heard if you go to the cafes where all the big real estate guys go, you started hearing them talk about Airbnb. Like, yeah, you know, I have a couple of houses here in Amsterdam. And if you if you rent them out to a normal couple who pay 1,000 or 1,500 euros for one etage, for one uh, floor, yeah, you can double that by renting it out to tourists. And then I realized, yeah, if they really discover this, then this will have an impact on the city. And uh, I think we're not going to like it. So then I thought, yeah, this is actually worth a, a story, especially in Amsterdam, because we have such a small puppet house-like city, which is very densely populated and which is just vulnerable. I thought it was the right timing. You could see back then in 2014, 2015, I think those years were the years that you saw the shift from the early adapters who were kind of you know cute, was not on a big scale, to serious real estate people, millionaires, buying property with the only purpose of renting it out to tourists. And that's something which has been going on until now. I think if you go to the same cafes where they would be talking about all going for Airbnb in 2014, they will now say that they're getting out of it because they think it's too risky. People write about it. You get a lot of bad press if you get caught. In the end, it's not worth it. You know, they make money anyway with the real estate here in Amsterdam. It's in the early days of, of Airbnb in Amsterdam in 2013, it was also the depth of the crisis. I mean, there were a lot of people like us, graduated, good education, that had problems finding a job. So if you then are lucky enough to have parents who have money or you were lucky to be able to buy your first home based on your first salary, you had a chance to monetize that and make money and, and, and get through that period. So it was also a crisis thing back then. But now real estate and everything in Holland is booming. So these big guys, you know, they can just rent it out to expats. Uh, that's also something that has more or less replaced Airbnb as a good deal for homeowners here. Because uh, expats, of course, they pay more than local Dutch. And you don't have the hassle of all the check-ins and the, the, the smoking weed in the, in the hallway. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I actually used to rent out uh, my own apartment to expats. From the landlord's perspective, I think you own a home as well that you rent out in Amsterdam, right? Yeah, I own two apartments now. I will be moving out this weekend, my first apartment, then going to a second, to a new one. And I will be renting out my old apartment to Dutch 
people. I, I specifically ask for Dutch people. And it's not because I'm some sort of a racist nationalist or something, but just because I, I think it's important that Dutch people actually live in our capital <laughs> because it still is. And it would be fun if it remains a city that Dutch people live in and, and can find a home in. I know it's hard to find an apartment to rent because I actually was in that situation about 10 years ago. When I first came to Amsterdam, I didn't have money to rent an apartment because it's quite expensive. And so I rented a room. But after one year, I, I started looking for apartments and it was pretty hard to find a good apartment for a reasonable price. When I owned my home and I started renting it out myself, then I realized why that was. Because as a landlord, if you have Dutch people living in your home, it's really hard to get them out if you want, right? And I wasn't certain what I wanted to do in my house. I was thinking, you know, maybe I want to sell it, maybe I want to move back in. But once the people are in, it's very hard to get rid of them if they don't want to, you know, even if you have a contract yeah, that ends in a few years. That has changed. The People have that idea. It's stronger than it actually is. It's not really like that. If you commit to a one or two year rental contract, you can terminate that contract. They will not build up any rights. And of course, and you can be smart. I mean, I'm renting out my apartment now to a couple, 26, 27 year old. They will not have a family in my apartment because that apartment is not suited for a family. Yeah. It's steep stairs. You know how these Amsterdam apartments look like. People move on. They will not stay. That risk is always used as an argument to put tourists in your apartment. But I think the downsides of having tourists in your apartments are way bigger than having a loyal good renters who actually live in that apartment and care about it and want to keep it clean and stuff. So let's talk about some of those downsides of you know having tourists in your apartment. <laughs> well, in Amsterdam, of course, we have the big problem that we attract the bad kind of tourists. Uh, we still have these stupid laws which make it more or less legal to have all kinds of drugs, even on the streets. We have uh, still a very bad image. Uh, people think they need to come here to see hookers, to smoke weed. So you attract a certain type of tourist, especially in the city center. We haven't been branding our city in the right way. Amsterdam is incredibly beautiful. The city is young. It's, it has all kinds of attractions. The city center, of course, is beautiful. It has all these great old houses. And yeah, to brand it like some sort of a booze and hookers capital, it's just extremely stupid. And of course, we have a huge airport, Schiphol, which we like to fly to anywhere. We're big travelers as Dutch, but that means that these planes come back full from wherever they go to, from Bratislava to Madrid to anywhere. They come full back with people who are not paying a lot of money for their ticket and uh, can spend the weekend here in Amsterdam. The biggest problem with Airbnb, of course, in the last years has been the, the attraction, yeah, low, low cost tourists. Yeah, we should just raise all our prices, <laughs> make it really yeah. expensive. So you, you think that Airbnb has caused a rise in tourism to Amsterdam? Yeah, definitely, definitely. If you look at the hotel prices, they have always been quite high in Amsterdam. They became higher over the last years. But when you do Airbnb, it's still doable. You know, if you are with a group of four guys... Yeah, you have one sleeping bed and one full bed. You can rent one apartment for 150 euros, then you split it and yeah, it's 40, uh, 30, 40 euros per person. That's just not that much and you cannot find a hotel for that price. 
I was actually looking at AirDNA, which is a company that gathers information about all the different Airbnbs around the world. So I was just checking out some figures. So according to AirDNA, there's 15,000, just over 15,000 active rentals in Amsterdam right now with an average daily rate of $178. So that's pretty much 150 euros, as, as you mentioned. Some interesting stats. About 75% of the listings are entire home rentals. So 25% are, uh, are private rooms. And another interesting figure is if you look at the rental activity, because right now in Amsterdam, the rules are such that you can only rent out an entire place for 60 days, which is enforced on the platform. You know, it's hard to get around it unless you want to start multiple accounts. It shows up in the stats because it's 75% of the apartments are booked between one and three months. And about 25% is booked four to six months or more. And, you know, I think those must be the private rooms, which yeah, makes sense. But yeah, but even if you, you, you can't, right? You can't uh, do more than 60 days. Even if you have more than 60 days bookings, Airbnb will, it doesn't allow it unless you have multiple accounts, right? And also, if you look at the growth, we talked about earlier about the growth in Amsterdam. In 2010, there was only 100, and then it went up quite a bit. 2011, 400, and went to 1,600 in 2012, 4,000 in 2013, 8,000 in 2014, and then it more than doubled in 2015 to 18,000 rentals, 32,000 in 2016, and 40,000 in 2017. Now, those are Cumulative, so that's the the total over the total amount of years. There's ten thousand active hosts in Amsterdam. Eighty eight percent of the hosts have a single listing. Twelve percent have uh, multiple listings. Eighteen percent are super hosts, and then those eleven percent that have multiple listings they cover thirty eight percent of the total amount of properties. So I guess on average they have about you know three and a half listings or so. So those are some of the figures about Amsterdam. You think it's gotten better? Yeah. If, if you compare these statistics to the early days, then you could say it's actually working, what they're doing now. So I'm happy to see this. I was already yeah, feeling that it was going in the right direction. You know, I'm not anti-Airbnb or I'm not about uh, letting other people not make any money. You need to regulate. The local government has always been very bad at that. But they seem to be, yeah, getting better at it, and uh, it's stabilizing. I would say you're pretty happy about the current regulation. Do you think it's fair for both sides? I think uh, 60 days is still quite long. I think you should limit it to 30 because you know who takes uh, two months a year of vacation uh, if you have a normal job. You don't do that. This is a specific Amsterdam. You know, I'm not talking about anywhere else in the world because you need to. Yeah, see cities as different cities. There are all kinds of local differences. I own a house on the Croatian island of Kvar, where actually there are a lot of houses which are empty. Their economy is fully depending on tourism. So every euro you bring to that country, they're super happy with. You know, So to limit the amount of days in such a place where there are houses are empty it would be ridiculous. Then you're limiting economic development. But here in Holland, I mean, we're a developed country. This is the capital of one of the strongest economies in the world. It would be a disgrace to be fully depending on, on tourism. We're not Greece here. You need to be attractive for people who want to live and work here in, in our also very big uh, financial sector, for example, where you used to work as well. If you live in an apartment here and you have your neighbors 
upstairs, renting out their apartment for 60 days a year, your neighbors downstairs and the, the, the other floor downstairs, then, then that means that half of the year you're meeting tourists in your hallway, which are in Amsterdam always shared. I think that's much. I think that's still big uh, violation of, of your, yeah, personal space of your feeling of being home. I, I saw you're also from the eastern part of the country. I'm already uh, having difficulties coping with the enormous amounts of people here and the, and the noise and, you know, that's a personal thing. But still, if you have the 60 days, then you will be stuck with tourists in your home, in the worst case, for half of the year. And that's still too much. You've heard me talk about Hostly a lot over the past few months. I love sending my beautiful Hostly guidebook to my guests, as it makes me look very professional. I also love including screenshots of my guidebook in my actual Airbnb listing. This helps me stand out from the crowd. Well, now I'm thrilled to announce that I'm a sponsor of the Hostly host program. Twice a month, Hostly selects a host and features them on their top-ranked blog. This is great promotion for your listing and a cool way to share your favorite local spots to a large audience. What's even cooler is that each Hostly host gets a free set of organic sheets from the clean bedroom. And now that I'm a sponsor, you'll also be featured in my newsletter, my social media feeds, and you'll get free access to my video course on how to be a great host. For more details and how to apply, visit hostly.com slash hostlyhost. How do you feel about renting out private rooms, shared rooms, and you know, just if you have a spare room, that's still allowed. You can do it the whole year if, as long as it's less than forty percent of the space. I think. How do you feel about that? Yeah. So then you're actually living together with that person. That that's just fine. I mean, we have a lot of shared homes. I, I used to live with a friend who lived in my home. It's more or less the same situation. And if you do that with a tourist. Yeah, I know that it has been used as a trick. Big real estate guys, they put a, a student in their homes for next to nothing. And they are basically living there for free in exchange for playing like a concierge. They open the door, they do the check-ins of this room. So then it's yeah, then it's just a way of avoiding the rules that are now in place for Airbnb. But you know, if you can provide more or less free living space to a student... That's that's a good thing. I mean, then you at least have somebody who, who, yeah, who's there, who's part of the neighborhood. So yeah, that's not yeah. It's a way of avoiding the rules, but a good way, I would say. Let's talk about the other platforms because obviously, you know, we just looked at the figures for for Airbnb, but I suspect that a lot of people are doing sixty days on Airbnb and then using some of the other platforms. So. Do you think that Amsterdam is going to enforce those other platforms to adopt the same rules as they forced Airbnb to do? Yeah, yeah, I hope so. I know uh, that Booking.com is uh, very aggressive about taking a share of this rental uh, pie. Yeah, they're more aggressive, more nastier, I would say, than Airbnb. Airbnb is yeah, it's quite friendly. You have this review system. It's a good system. Yeah, Booking wants to have its share. And the local government should, yeah, of course, they should have the same rules for every uh, company. It would be illegal otherwise, of course. It would be not fair competition. So, yes, of course, they should have the same rules implemented by the others. Interestingly enough, Booking.com is a Dutch company. It is a Dutch company, which has been uh, sold way too early, which is quite stupid. But it's a remarkable thing because it, it is a, it, well, it was a Dutch company and they... 
if I go abroad, then booking is the biggest. You know, in Croatia, for example, where my second home, booking is the biggest. And they take also a bigger cut, I think, of the fee than Airbnb. I don't know why they were sleeping when Amsterdam boomed. They're coming for it now. I think the local government should be even stricter on, on booking than on, on Airbnb because Airbnb is in that sense a bit friendlier as a company. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you're right. They're they're very focused on uh, getting more short-term rentals on their platform. They already have a lot of them on there, but they've never been like very active in promoting them. I was actually at their office last year because they invited me because they wanted to know more about uh, you know the Airbnb and how they were doing it. So uh, I had a conversation with them, and you know they were starting a whole team that focused on the short-term rentals. And obviously, I mean for them, they're probably very happy about Airbnb being restricted because they can scoop up all that demand. But it's different, like Booking.com is originally a hotel booking site. And I think a lot of people, when you book something on Booking.com, you're kind of expecting a hotel, right? And I've also heard that hosts who are renting out to people from Booking.com, they're a different type of traveler. You know, the Airbnb traveler is typically fairly educated, travel-loving person who, you know, is looking to have more of a personal experience versus, you know, Booking.com guests are, they just want, you know, they just want to have the accommodation. They want to, they're looking for more of a service place. We'll see what happens, but I think uh, it definitely makes sense to treat all the different platforms the same. And, you know, there's a lot of them. There's there's HomeAway, there's TripAdvisor, Windu, there's a lot of them. And, and these days you have the channel managers, right? Like BookingSync and Orbi Rental, where you can manage all those different listings. So it's actually, it's fairly easy to, you know, to rent out on different platforms, as well as, of course, the all the short-term management companies that have popped up in Amsterdam. I mean, there's a lot of them. You just hand over the keys and they'll take care of everything. Yeah, Yeah, these short-term companies, they come in uh, different kinds. You have the biggest IMBNB. I've always been very critical about them, but I do think they are, you know, fairly okay. They will not take illegal apartments, but you have other ones that are incredibly aggressive. They pay up front, you know, they pay a, a lump sum every month that you can only make up for for the the money they give away by renting it out illegally like too much so yeah yeah if i would rent out my apartment here in amsterdam i would probably go for such a company because i i really don't feel like having the hassle of the check-ins and all that stuff but yeah then again that's not how airbnb was supposed to be it was supposed to be a an exchange of people uh yeah a shared experience and if you have this professional companies doing all of that, then then you lose uh, the idea which Airbnb was founded on. Absolutely. Is there anything else you want to share with the listeners about uh, Airbnb or short-term rental? Any final thoughts? Well, I think Airbnb is, uh, as I said, a a really good idea. And uh, I think uh, there's a responsibility of every user of Airbnb to to make your own assessment if this is actually an Airbnb experience or just some hotel experience. Yeah, I would advise everybody to use Airbnb as I do and only use it for those shared experiences because that's that's fun, that's not harmful to the city you're in. And yeah, and don't go for the hotels which are camouflaged as an apartment. Right. You are the editor-in-chief of uh, Quote Magazine. Are you planning to write more about the short-term rental market in the future? I'm quite done with this subject <laughs> and I don't have that much time anymore now that I'm uh, editor-in-chief, but yeah, I will follow it very closely. I, I feel like in Amsterdam, we're a bit at the end of the whole story. 
I think it's going to stabilize. I think we all know now how it works, what the ups and downs are, and uh, that we have uh, the right policy now. I don't feel the urge to write that much about it anymore. Yeah, also because I am away in Sweden, where my girlfriend lives, and in Croatia, thank God. Uh, So I don't need to uh, get annoyed by all these tourists that much anymore. And talking about Afar, it's a it's a pretty awesome place. I've been there. It's a super fun. So definitely recommend everybody go check it out when you're in Croatia. All right. Well, Sander, thank you so much for your time. It's been a really interesting conversation. Hope the all the listeners enjoyed it. And of course, on uh, Friday there will be another episode in which we'll talk about the news. So I hope to see you then. Bye bye. Get paid for your pet. 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 Get paid for your pet.